listening to Sports Radio Detroit. Welcome back to Grave Discussions. This is episode 39, the possession of yet another teenage girl. I am your host, Barnabas. And I am Samael. Welcome. Yes, we're so glad to have all of you back with us today. We've got a really cool episode lined up. Uh, we've got an exclusive interview with the producer of the 48-hour film project in Detroit, Jennifer Gettner, uh, up right after the news. And then we've got our review of The Possession of Hannah Grace right after that. So I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, I want to talk about Hannah. Oh, yeah, we have to. It was it was, it was something all right. It was. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Yep. So. Yeah. So we are going to get into the news. But as always, we have to shout out Sports Radio Detroit, our glorious network. And they uh, have a whole bunch of social media. Where can you find them? You can find Sports Radio Detroit on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That's Sports Radio Detroit SRD, not Detroit Sports Radio. Nope, not that one. So go check them out. You can see uh, what kind of other shows they have on the network, and you can even listen to our episodes. So yeah, go do that. The first news article here is about Terrified. So it's an Argentinian film that was released this year on Shudder and guess what yep it's getting remade next year can we just like leave foreign films be like at least like the first like few years are out i don't know i mean i i totally get it because i think that there's a large percentage of americans that don't like watching foreign films because for some reason they can't read (laughs) like they become illiterate yeah when they're watching a movie i don't know you know but apparently that happens don't want to read or like Maybe they're just bootlegging the movies so they can't, like, get the subtitles, you know? Yeah, that's possible. But anyway, I think that that is pretty true. So, um, you know, when when there's a popular foreign movie out, people want to get it to America right away so that it can make that bank while it's still relevant, you know? I bet he watched it and he's like, I bet Mm. I could put my own little twist on this. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Guillermo del Toro is producing this film. So he's he's still going to have some creativity with it. Um, I kind of almost wish he was directing, but I'm kind of glad he's not at the same time, you right. know, because, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about this being released, like, not even like a year after its initial release, you know, because technically it's a 2017 film, but it just got released, you know, like worldwide or in the Americas on Shutter, you know, so I feel like it's really soon. Yeah, it's like. I mean, even if they were going to do this, like, next year, like, don't tell us, like, this, like, yeah, this soon. Like, don't say it. Just wait until, like, it's about to come out in two months and be like, yo, guess what we did? That way we could just be like, ah. Yeah. Now we got to wait for it next year. Like, all right, let's see what the fuck is different. Yeah. So, normally I would be very skeptical about this. Um, I'm a little more interested just because it's still Toro attached to it. So we'll see what happens. Um, as of right now, I don't think there's any news on like when this is going to be out. So just uh, keep your eyes peeled. 
the next one actually got me pretty uh I was pretty peeved. Yeah. I was chuckling. So like the house that Jack built, apparently there was like some like super fucked up shit in the movie mm-hmm. and like it upset people. Which I don't know why it would because look, bad shit happens all the time. Just because someone makes a movie about something that happens yeah. like like it's, it's literally not real. Fiction. It's it's literally fake. Like you see the fake there's people with cameras literally recording this and they got like <laughs> they yeah. got people just standing around them and shit. You just Giving don't directions. see directions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, you know, I, you know, the thing with movies, I guess, is like, yeah, you kind of want to feel immersed in it. But at the end of the day, you should know that it's not real. Like, you don't have to try to, like, censor shit just because you're upset, you know? Yeah, like, bro, like it's, the world it's an art form, technically. The world doesn't revolve around how anyone feels, so... Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, you could probably make some arguments for that. Maybe but, the rich people, but yeah, no one cares about Janice who got mad about a little kid being killed in a movie. Like. Yeah. So the MPAA is trying to uh, argue with IFC Midnight for showing the the film in its un like unrated director's cut at a at a you know like public screening or whatever. So I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to do, like take legal action or something. But this movie scarred me, even though I knew I was going into a movie where he kills women and children and men and yeah. does terrible things. How dare he do terrible things in an unrated horror movie? And the the stupid part is that like, you know, all of the people who went to go see it, like, knew ahead of time that it was going to be the unrated version. Yeah. You know, so it's not like they lied or anything like that. I don't know. The whole thing is kind of stupid. People just want attention. Yeah. There's been a whole bunch of stuff lately about, you know, censoring stuff in movies. And, man, I just don't That's get always it. I was kind of mad in Halloween when Michael Myers walked past that baby and he didn't, like, bludgeon it with the hammer. Yeah. I was like, damn, that would have been awesome. They're like, well, yeah. it, in the script, you know, it was just random that he didn't kill the baby. It's like, no, but you decided that it was random. So you decided mm-hmm. that he wasn't going to kill the baby. It's like... Yeah, it's not the same thing. Yeah, there was something else about like not funding films over like if if the villain has scars on it or something. It's all one big really stupid thing. If you want to talk to us about it, talk to us about it. You know, but we'll we'll move on. The next thing is part news article, part trailer. So I actually haven't gotten a chance to watch some of these. Unfortunately, been super busy. But this one is kind of cool. It's apparently a long lost movie and it's like being restored and now there's a trailer for it finally so yeah it's it's kind of interesting but um i think basically this movie called opera mortem was lost after like 1973 after it played one time this kind of sounds like some kind of a cigarette burns type thing yeah what the fuck i think someone might have watched that movie and got an idea for this because a lot of people are saying this is fake but apparently this movie was found at like some Italian market or something by an adventurer, Giovanni Mele. And there's this whole crazy story behind it. But apparently this movie has been lost forever and now it's returned and there's a trailer. And apparently it's supposed to be really fucked up. Oh, that's cool. I kind of don't want to see it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm Fuck. not. If it's like real, then okay, maybe I'll watch it. But... I think there has to be, like, definitive proof that it's real. Yeah, not just some guy found, like... What if some guy made a bootleg version in his basement and he's like, yeah. this is it, gentlemen? Like, Well, it's like a 70s movie, so it's supposed to have, like, lower quality to it. So, yeah, anybody probably could have made it. 
I don't it's know. Fucked up. We'll we'll keep uh, we'll keep you guys posted on it because I'm kind of interested in like seeing what develops, but I don't know if I'm that interested in seeing the movie. No, no. But uh, yeah, we'll go into the actual trailer announcements here. So the first one was the biggest for me anyway. Happy Death Day to you. So this oh, yeah, is the, the sequel. second one. Yep. It's probably going to happen to another person now, and we got to see if they figure it out. And this time well, they won't. Let me let's actually see if I kind of it. not. No? So it still revolves around the same people and the same girl. It pretty much takes place like directly after the first movie, except you know, like a little bit of time has passed. What the fuck? So it starts happening again, and I don't know. It just looks like there's going to be a whole bunch of crazy stuff happen in this movie as well. But at, at the beginning, it looked like it was happening solely to the Asian guy. Remember? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> he kept like bursting in. Comes out on uh, Valentine's Day, looks like. Yep. So it's pretty cool. I wonder if that has any kind of relevance. Like, maybe it's a lover this time that is the killer. Because it's the same baby face, like, killer. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, it's the same thing. So, it's like she never got out of the loop, basically. But you remember the last time that she 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 killed her friend, right? Mm-hmm. Then it's probably that murderer from the hospital. Because maybe. that means she didn't kill him. Because she only killed him in one timeline. You well, know what I'm saying? I'm calling it for the Valentine's Day thing. It might be her boyfriend or something. I don't know. <laughs> or the dude that she called gay. Yeah, possibly. We'll see. That one comes out February 14th, 2019. Next up was actually probably my favorite announcement. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Season 2. Releasing April 5th, 2019 on Netflix. Nice. Yeah. So I think they basically filmed Seasons 1 and 2 back to back. So that's why it's there's a trailer out already. Still though, we gotta wait till April? Yeah, but that's not really that bad. I mean, it just came out. I don't know. So usually you gotta wait like a year, you know. Well, now it's four months because I'm yeah. still waiting for Stranger Things. But we are getting the December fourteenth Christmas special of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, so I'm pretty pumped really? about that. Yeah. Oh, uh, she's gonna <laughs> fuck around with Nick Scratch. Yeah, right. Even though she just dumped what was his name, Harvey. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, Harvey. Well, I, I like I like her transformation though. I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm pumped for the Christmas You're episode. Disgusting. <laughs> I, I like the show, man. So yeah. April 5th, 2019. Uh, looks pretty much like, you know, Sabrina is going to be mainly at the uh, Academy of Dark Arts or whatever it was called. And, uh, yeah, it looked like she was kind of getting a little close to uh, Nick Scratch. And she was, like, buddy-buddy with those she weird she, sisters. She, after she, like, converted to, like, Satanism <laughs> yeah. all the way. <laughs> she just became, She's, like, a bad bitch. Yeah, she just, yeah, exactly. She just, she just, <laughs> she just looked at fucking uh, Nick Scratch, and she was just, like, yeah. a wink, and he was like, the fuck? Like, so, let's see what happens. Yeah, I'm, I am excited, though. I mean, it looks like uh, there was something about casting for the Dark Lord, like, the human side, I guess. Oh, So shit. it looks like we're going to progress more on that angle in season two, I think, anyway. Or it's going to be a completely different thing. I'm not sure. They should pick Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah, actually, Johnny Depp, I think, would be good. I'm you know how many movies he spent, like, basically fighting against the devil? Yeah. Fucking the Ninth Gate and stuff. Just, like, give in already, <laughs> damn it. I know, right? So, yeah, there's that one. I'm, I'm excited for it. And then the last one, some of you horror fans, more obscure horror fans, might know about the Blind Dead franchise. What, what is this shit? <laughs> so, it's, uh, it's like a zombie franchise. Not interested. (laughs) I know you're not interested. It started actually back in like the 70s or something though. So it's old school. And it's not exactly zombies. They're actually like the undead versions of like the Knights Templar or something. Because apparently in this world like they worshipped Satan and stuff. 
Oh. And there's like a curse. So it's actually kind of interesting. I only watched one of them before, um, but it was pretty cool. So there's a new one called Curse of the Blind Dead. And it's going to be a whole new director because the old director was, I think, some Italian guy or something. So they're they're crazy, you know? Yeah, this is... That's, that's blind zombies. Yeah. Or, I don't know, something, something like that. <laughs> Next. Yeah. So, uh, I guess if you're a fan of that franchise, be on the lookout for it. I'm kind of interested. Apparently, the gore and everything in it is pretty cool. But that's releasing in 2019. There's not a more definitive date. So, all right. That's all the news we have for you guys. Uh, next up, we're going to play the interview with Jennifer Gettner, the producer of the 48-hour film project in Detroit, which just had its uh, horror edition, and they had an award ceremony and everything. It's a great interview, very informative. We talk about the competition, we talk about horror, everything. And uh, I just want to apologize ahead of time, because we did it at a coffee shop, and not all the audio is that great, but you can still make it out. So uh, yeah, enjoy. Hello and welcome to a great discussions interview. I am your host Barnabas, and I am joined here today uh, by a special guest. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Okay. Well, hello. I'm Jennifer Gettner, and I am the producer for the Detroit 48 Hour Film Project. Awesome. So we're gonna get into kind of what all of that entails and everything, mm-hmm. but um, we just had a award ceremony for the 48-hour horror film project Yes. in Ferndale. Yes. Right? Yep. Where was that at? So we were at Orchid in Ferndale. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was there last year, and it's, it's, a, it's a great spot. Yeah, they always put on such a, you know, such a nice deal for us, so yeah. it worked out great. Awesome. All right. Very cool. So we're going to get into all the 40 and, and stuff, but first we kind of want to know about you. Okay. So um, what is your like personal background in film and what kind of ignited your passion in film? Okay. Well, um, so I actually studied video production at Washtenaw Community College. Um, I was there for quite a few years um, and, you know, kind of taking classes part time. And then um, I actually started working in the video lab there as well. Um, and then eventually I moved on and I got my um, bachelor's degree at Full Sail University. Okay. Um, so I studied mostly uh, cinematography. Uh, my degrees in digital cinematography. But um, but I keep going back to producing. I love to produce, so I love getting people together and, and making movies. So, so is, is that pretty much about producing that, that you love, is, is the people aspect kind of? Yeah, I mean, I like being able to get, you know, seeing everyone specially and kind of getting them together and, you know, just seeing what we can create. I think I... I'm pretty organized, so, (laughs) and I feel like when I went to school, I really wanted to go into directing and writing, and then, um, you know, we always had team projects, right, which everyone hates, Um, and so nobody wants to lead those groups, and so I kind of got thrown into doing it, and I thought, well, hey, this isn't so bad, I kind of like being the producer. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome, so is that kind of what drove you toward uh, being the 48-hour producer? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, you know, I'm a big 48 fan. Um, I participated in it for like eight years. Um, yeah. And so when I saw that they were looking for a new producer, I thought, you know what? I'm going to go for it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So what was your like experience um, being a crew member 
and participating in the 48. So, um, so when I was going to Washtenaw, mm-hmm. we had a teaching assistant who every week could, you know, he would give us like different, you know, helpful hints about filmmaking mm-hmm. and, you know, give us all this, you know, different information. Um, and one week he talked about the 48 hour film project and he explained how he had been participating for at least like the year before, maybe two years, even like he, he may have been doing it from the start. Um, but explained how fun it was, and he really was trying to get students together for the following summer to, mm-hmm. you know, make these make these movies. And I thought, oh, that sounds really cool. I will never do that in a million years. Because <laughs> yeah. who can stay up for two days straight? I was like, right. nope, 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 not for me at all. Um, so then summer rolls around, and, um, you know, my friends from school were like, hey, are you going to join the team? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. So, um by total peer pressure, I I joined the team, um, and we had a we had a pretty good sized team, and so everyone kind of had their own position, and so I kind of came on as location manager, and um, that that is one of the things you can do with the forty eight is mm-hmm. find locations in advance. So I did that, and um, the producer and team leader kind of saw that I was taking initiative on stuff, and so the following year he kind of took me under his wing to teach me a little bit about producing and. Um, I stayed with that team for for several years and mm-hmm. did a lot of projects with them, um, and then eventually kind of had a team of my own. Um, and actually, in the last couple years, I went down to Cleveland to participate oh. in their horror forty eight um, okay. when they weren't doing it in Detroit. Because um, I do, I love making horror films, especially. <laughs> yeah, well, that's awesome. Maybe that's the whole point of the show. Yeah, is is horror. So, yeah, well, definitely. Um, get into that so you just did mention that the Detroit market didn't have the horror 48 for a while so why is that so um, the first year that they um, they had it our Mm. team did participate when I was with Midnight Oil um, and we 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 had a good time the film was not the best Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but you know it was still a lot of fun and then by the next year our team we had signed up to do it again but they just did not get enough teams to sign up and it got canceled Mm. Um, and that was five years ago and it hasn't it hasn't been back since until until until, now (laughs) so do you think well what do you think was the cause of not a lot of people signing up do you think there was not, not as much interest in the genre or were people just not as excited to do it or what I think it's really tough coming off the summer um, you know in the summertime we get a lot of teams um, this year we had 52 teams and norm- and that's an average you know 50 teams every year and so doing one it's it's a lot of work and so um, and that's in July and by the time you have the awards and the screenings you know it's August and before you know it you'd be needing to prep for the next one Right. You know, in October. So there's really only a couple months of rest. Um, I think that's a factor. I do think it's tough, too, um, because, you know, in the summertime, you've got students who are off school. Mm-hmm. You have people who have time off work during that time. You know, in October, school is back in session. Um, and it, it can be tough to get, find the time to, to put into it. Yeah, it's so totally understandable. And you yeah. really need, like, all of that time on that weekend. You do. To really... Uh, to really do anything yeah absolutely so um just for some context so what is the 48 hour film project and 
what can people kind of expect if, if they do it? Oh, yeah. So um, so the 48, it's not just a clever name. It mm-hmm. is a project that is done in two days' time. So uh, we kind of start by having a kickoff. Uh, for the weekend and when you come you know usually a team leader you know sometimes you get like the writing team maybe sometimes the whole team comes to kick off and we uh, have elements that need to go in every film that we announce so everyone has the same character with the same career Um, they have a line of dialogue and a prop that they need to use for the film during that weekend, just so we know that you did it in two days' time. Right. Um, and then when people come, they also uh, pull a genre from a hat. And so recently we've been doing it so you get two genres on a slip of paper and you have the choice of whichever genre that is. Okay, very cool. Yeah. So that kind of, uh, well, for the horror one, it's all horror genres, but in the yes. standard 48 hour, you can get You can get drama. anything, absolutely. Yeah, we even have some categories superheroes and fish out of water stories, mm. and uh, we even had this year was Generation Gap. Um, oh, wow. So it can really <laughs> be very specific. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, for the horror, we had subgenres pulled. So we had things like vampire and cursed objects and haunted houses, mm-hmm. um, slashers, and. Um, so just a ton of like really fun subgenres to choose from. Nice. Awesome. So yeah, I mean, horror is a genre that you can draw in the standard forty-eight. Yes. So why kind of separate that and give it its own? 48, because I, I find that's kind of interesting that no other genre kind of gets yeah, their own. Yeah, no, I, I think so too, and I think it's because this way you can really expand on it some more. Mm. Um, you know, with horror in the summertime, you know, you know, it's nice because you can choose anything, but I feel like with this you can get very specific and mm. get such a wide variety of films, and, and we did this year. We got all kinds of stuff, um, you know, coming back that maybe if you got it in the summertime, you wouldn't even think to be doing, you know, something right. that has like, you know, a cult theme or, or a cursed object theme to it. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And I mean, it is kind of the, the season. Absolutely. As well, so. Yes, it is nice to do <laughs> yeah. it during that time. <laughs> so, do you find maybe that horror kind of allows for more, I guess, creativity, which is maybe why it has its own sort of version of the, of the competition? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I hope that people find the opportunity to get creative with the summer one, but yeah, I feel like in the when you're doing horror, I mean, um, you can, the locations can really get detailed, the, you know, more makeup and more special effects, it gives you the opportunity to do those things if that's something that you're really into. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, super cool costumes and things like that. I just feel like there is it could give you a little more opportunity to get really creative with it. Okay, awesome. So were there any particular subgenres this year that you found kind of drew you in or maybe were a little better than the others? Um, I don't know. See, my thing, if... And, and, and when I've participated in the horror, <laughs> horror competitions before, I do it because I want blood like yeah right <laughs> i want to be making something that just has a ton of blood yeah. because you know when you're when you're pulling comedy in the summertime or a fish out of water story you know i mean i'm sure you could find a place for blood but um not as much as you can with a horror film so um so yeah so i feel like one's that because uh, we have like a slasher subgenre mm-hmm. and um I just think that that kind of gives you an opportunity to really have a lot of fun with the special effects and the makeup aspect of it. 
For sure. So was there a lot of blood in this year's? You know, I felt like there could have been more blood. Oh, okay. I think, yeah, I think there could always be a little more blood. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, and we did have a couple. Um, that They went for it, though. Mm. Yeah, they really went for the blood aspect of it. So I, like, I think that's fun. That, that's awesome, yeah. So did you find that the kind of overall production qualities of, of the films, as far as like the makeup and everything goes, mm-hmm. uh, were pretty well done this year did you feel like there's some room for improvements maybe i thought everyone did really well when it came to their special effects and their makeup Mm. um in fact the team that took best makeup i mean they had like a team of people come in and Mm -hmm. really do some amazing things with the makeup and um applying horns and Mm -hmm. it was just it was incredible so yeah i think people really went above and beyond when it came to that which you know that's the kind of thing Mm -hmm. i find to be extra cool about the horrors because you can have that little bit of you know creativity with it right and what team and what film was that that won that award it was the page turner from Verna June Entertainment, um, which is uh, led by Jeff uh, Swerden. Okay. And uh, yeah, they they did an incredible job. Awesome. So, do you find that the Detroit area is a lot different in regards to like the, the level of, of film experience and creativity and everything as opposed to like the other uh, cities that do the Forty Eight? So. I like to think that Detroit is um, kind of has a leg up on a lot of the other competitors in other cities, mm-hmm. just because, um, you know, in 2008 when the film incentive came to town, you know, you saw everyone, you know, so many people started getting involved and uh, went back to school or got training or. Um, you know, really somehow got involved with the film industry being here. Um, So I think that we have an immense amount of talent in Detroit that's still here, even though we don't have that incentive anymore. The the talent is still here. I I see it in the 48s. I see it in um, other shorts and films, um, feature lengths that are coming out of Detroit. So I know that the talent is here. So I might be a little biased. Detroit has... um, has one of the best, you know, cities when it comes to the 48, um, when it comes to talent. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how we couldn't. I just think that there's a lot of talent here in Detroit. Do you think that, uh, well, do you find that there's still a lot of, uh, new filmmakers joining 48 as well, or is it mostly a lot of, uh, of these older teams that, like you just said, kind of started, their careers back in like 2008 around that time so i think we have a good combo of both um i found with the horror we had a lot of a lot of new people Mm -hmm. um which is awesome like i love that i welcome that um and then you know we had some of our veteran filmmakers come back too and they participated in the summer they came back for this um you know and when we did have the uh the one in the summertime we kind of put it out there to see if there would be an interest for it because Mm -hmm. i do love it and i really was hoping to bring it back um so uh, there were a lot of teams that were from the summer, our veterans, that did come back. But I was excited to see how many new teams um, did join in for the Horror 48. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's safe to say that this year the Horror 48 was very successful. Yeah. Um, but what was the process like trying to bring it back as, as a competition to Detroit? So I think as a city in the summertime or when you have your, you know, all the cities, when they have their major 48, 
uh, they I think they really have to have a good turnout in order to be it, have it like offered to you mm -hmm. from our headquarters um, to do a specialty and there's and there's choices with the specialty we could have chosen from uh, not only just horror but uh, sci-fi which I think was done here a couple years ago mm -hmm. um, you they just came out with an LGBTQ uh, strictly okay. festival which I think would be really cool to do um, they also have things like um, holiday um, 48s that you can be doing, but I, I mean, I'm a horror lover, so I really wanted to bring that back. Um, and so that was really all there was to it. We had a successful summer, and they said, Hey, do you want to do one of these? I was like, Absolutely. That was kind of my goal when I got this position this year was to bring that back. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, what first of all, what is your personal experience with horror? So, I have loved horror films since I was a kid, like mm -hmm. probably before I should have even been allowed to watch them. <laughs> yeah, or no. <laughs> um, I shouldn't have been, but I did. But yeah, I mean, so so I'm an 80s kid. Um, so, you know, I can remember being like nine years old and my friend having A Nightmare on Elm Street and we would watch it and I totally dug it. And, you know, so we would go to the video store and like load up on all the 80s cheesy horror films, you know, Pumpkinhead and Witchblade and, you know, all that type of stuff. And as well as, you know, your, your you know, series of, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and, and yeah, Friday Halloween. the 13th stuff and Halloweens, you know. Um, so I ate that stuff up and I don't, I can't quite tell you exactly why it was fascinating to me. And so um, it was really kind of one of the things that got me interested just in filmmaking in general. Um, so it just, you know, as, as we got out of the 80s and into the 90s mm -hmm. and now, I mean, the horror films, I think, have really, like, stepped it up. I mean, it's like leaps and bounds from what they were oh, doing. Yeah. I still have a special place in my heart, you know, for those. But um, but the stuff they can do, you know, that they are doing now, it's, I mean, the stuff's scary. It's great. Yeah. Well, what's your, what's your favorite horror film and why? Of all time. <laughs> um... I I love The Ring, the um, the adapted American sure. version. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I think I, I like it the best because I really like the tone of it all, mm -hmm. um, the, the creep factor in it. Um, but I just love the way it looks. Yeah. It really kind of gets you and puts you in a mood and, and, and draws you in. So mm. um, I'd have to say that's probably one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, as a cinematographer... Yes. That yourself, that, that yes. makes complete sense. Yeah. So awesome. Cool. Well, I just, I just had to ask. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you did kind of comment on horror films now. Yeah. So, what is your opinion of, of where horror is at as a genre in the industry currently, mm -hmm. in indie or Hollywood or both? Yeah. So, I am totally digging the stuff that's coming out of Blumhouse right now. Yeah. Um, it's amazing what they're doing. I just feel like they're, they're, the budgets are not huge, mm -hmm. but the quality and the product that you're getting, the stories that are coming out of there are, are so amazing. Um, and, you know, although it's not crazy gore factor necessarily, mm -hmm. but the stories are so good and suspenseful and um, creative and fresh and new. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm loving that. You know, I'm kind of an indie girl anyway um so when you see these these indie horror films like i eat it up i love it mm -hmm. it's great are there any i guess negative trends kind of going on that you're not 
a, a, such a fan of? Hmm. I'm trying to think. Well, I mean, after a while, like, I guess it depends on, like, a series. Mm. I feel like, the, you know, when you're doing, I mean, like I said before, I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th, and even Halloween, like, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. But you lose something after a while. I, I'm, a, I'm a Saw fan, mm-hmm. but they kind of lost me after 7 and 8, and, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I get it. Money. You know, it brings in the people to the mm. theaters. I understand that, but I think it also loses a little something too. Yeah, that's understandable. Do you find that there are certain um, trends that you see in horror feature films and in Hollywood that kind of leak even down into teams who are participating in the 48 and, and their films? Do you see certain things that kind of that you can compare? Oh, like maybe influence-wise? Sure, yeah. I gotta be honest, I don't, I didn't see that. I felt like the stuff that was coming out of the 48 this year was nothing like I had seen in the theater. The stories were um, very original, Mm -hmm. actually. Um, I know we talked a little bit about location earlier when it came to the page turner, Mm -hmm. um, but... I found that a lot of people were really stepping out and finding these incredible locations that really put you into the film, um, that really drew you in. And I felt like because because it was so original, I, I really couldn't, a lot of the films that are there now, I couldn't compare them to anything mm-hmm. that I'm seeing in the, in the theaters right now. Okay. Do you think that these feature films could maybe take a thing or two from, from the short films <laughs> yeah. of 48. Yeah. yeah, they should. And and actually, when you look at some of the feature like films that are out now, some of them have, you know, have originated. They, mm-hmm. you know, they were short, short stories. Mama, right? right? I mean, oh, yeah. that was a short. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, yeah, so absolutely. I There were several films that we had this year that I think easily, easily someone could adapt and make into feature length, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, I got into a couple discussions with uh, people about how, you know, they were t- we were talking about very specific movies that were like, yeah, you could easily stretch that out to 90 minutes and be hooked completely. Nice. Yeah. Well, the, the winner of the 48 does go to Filmapalooza. Yes. So, I mean, from there, I mean, what's what's the process like for them? I mean, is there are there a lot of films that do get offered, you know, uh, money for for feature length from from that point? It has totally happened before. Um, so when so when all the top films from every 48 goes to Filmapalooza, and this year we'll be in Orlando, um, and they will take 10 to 15 of their top films from Filmapalooza and show them at the Cannes Film Festival, nice. which is super exciting. Like, that's huge. Yeah. And um, they in, at Cannes, they have a whole short um, um, festival, you know, day mm-hmm. over there. So the fact that they take 10 to 15 of our films is really exciting. Um, and we have had we have had filmmakers, we've had their stories picked up. I mean, from mm-hmm. just from making a 48. So I know some people will be like, oh, well, it's a film competition. Or, um, you know, and I think a lot of people, I, I have gotten some hints and haunts about how much it costs to get into it. Um, but the opportunity is there. Mm-hmm. It's not like any other film competition. Always have a good time. I want everyone to do that. But there is potential. And right. even when you go to Filmapalooza, 
there's other filmmakers from all over the place. In fact, I was just talking to one of our judges who took first place a couple years ago. Oh, okay. And when he went down, he made friends with mm-hmm. other filmmakers. And apparently, like, um, the people from St. Louis came and helped with his film. Oh, wow. I mean, so there's so many opportunities there to mm-hmm. network and... Um, I just think it's a great opportunity. Yeah, networking is, is a really huge part of not only the film industry in general, but mm-hmm. especially going to those festivals Yes. as well. So, yeah, that's huge. Has there been a lot of success from Detroit? I don't think that anyone from Detroit has ever made it to Cannes. So okay. we need to get someone from Detroit to make it to yeah. the Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> yeah, like you said, there's a lot of talent here. Yes. I mean, what would you say could put one of these teams from the area over into like that level where they can get into I think they just have to keep plugging away. I think it's good for competitors here to look and see what is winning elsewhere. Um, I mean, I think in the U.S., a lot of our competitors, I mean, Europe and Asia, the stuff that they are creating at their mm-hmm. 48s, I mean, it's pretty incredible. So I, I would suggest to people here in Detroit who are interested in the 48 is to watch some of those films. Um, and you can go online and, and check them out um, and just kind of see, yeah. you know, what what is it that they're doing? And I, can, I know it can be done here. Um, I've seen the things that come out of here. Mm-hmm. So it totally can be done. Yeah, I mean, even at, like, the feature-length level, uh, you know, when I, when I watch horror from overseas Mm -hmm. I do find that it is vastly different even if it might look similar with with themes and just how they approach cinematography and lighting it's 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 way different so Mm -hmm. from what you've seen from you know not in in the United States Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything like in particular that you would say maybe teams might need to kind of start thinking about to reach that level I think I think a lot of focus needs to be on story okay. um, and location. It does make a world of difference. Mm-hmm. If you are if you are filming in your mom's basement or you know in your apartment mm-hmm. dining room, it, it, it sometimes takes you out. Don't get me wrong. There's stories that need that, but if you take it up another level and really actually go beforehand before that weekend and scope out some really cool locations when you find that stuff it may you know you can take those locations to your writers and say this is what we have to work with and then it really opens up their mind when it comes to story and so that's the kind of thing i'm seeing i mean um we had people shooting with cell phones last year and it you know it can be done like Mm -hmm. but if the story isn't there then it's not going to work out so you don't need the expensive equipment you don't need to get all you know you don't need to have a huge team necessarily but um i would i would definitely suggest you know take time when it comes to writing Mm -hmm. and your location scouting it is it is hard in five to seven minutes yeah to really do it but um, I think that short films are really on the up and up, and I think in mm-hmm. horror specifically, I mean, in your opinion, would you say that short films in the horror genre are even more important than maybe other films, as, as far as like kind of getting into uh, the genre and into the industry? I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, if you can if you can create an excellent story in five minutes, then it's going to be easy to expand that into 90 minutes. I mean, if you can get people um, 
scared and wanting more in that amount of time, then yeah, absolutely. Then I think it's a great way to begin, a great way to start and start small and then see where you can go from there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I saw online that you were telling me earlier, I think the, the first place team from this year, that was their first time doing the, the 48. Yeah, this so, year, yep. Yeah, I mean, did, did you talk to them, kind of get their experiences doing it? So, yeah, they, the first time they actually uh, tried it was in the summer. Okay. And they had went, they ended up winning um, Best Musical Score, and I believe they won Best in Their Genre. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it was it was kind of like as if they were like, okay, well, we got our feet wet a little here. Now we know we know what they're looking for, and they just they came back and it was, it was just incredible. So I don't think that they were necessarily expecting it, but it was an amazing project. So um, they totally deserved it. Great. Well, I mean, out of all the projects that came through this mm-hmm. year did you see a lot of similarities with you know all the different films or were there a lot of differences I guess what I'm asking you is how, how did you find that people approached their films this year for the competition so I don't think I really saw too many similarities um, and I think that's the great part about having the subgenres we very rarely had um, people doing the same, even the same topic. Um, so our character this year, you could choose between Phil or Philippa Carter, and they had to be an insurance broker. Okay. So um, I will say there was definitely an insurance theme <laughs> to a lot of our films. Um, but even in those, I mean, you still got so many differences. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really, it wasn't, um, you know, you didn't get bored from seeing the same thing over and over and over again. Right. Everyone had their own uniqueness about it. Okay, cool. Yeah, because, I mean, in horror specifically, I think a lot of people's gripes with it, you know, maybe is is that you see so many of the same kind of cliches. Sure. You know, especially when it comes to, like, Hollywood productions. Even mm-hmm. Blumhouse, I guess, is is subject to that sure so what do, what do you think is it about the 48 or about doing a short film that kind of detracts from that or, or maybe i guess uh forces you to think outside the box oh the time limit yeah. <laughs> yeah. i mean you don't have a lot of time to think about it um and so um i, I you know, people get freaked out when they hear that you have to do it in two days' time. I, and I was one of those people. Mm. But I, now that I've experienced it, I feel that um, that's almost the bonus of it all. You know, I'm a procrastinator in my life, right? So I don't do well unless, like, I'm under pressure. So it's amazing what can come out when you have, when you're feeling that pressure. Um, there might be creative ideas in you that you had no idea until like you're faced with it. So, um, I think that that is a positive thing about this and it gets people really, you know, on their toes and thinking about new and unique ideas. Okay. Yeah. Very awesome. Cause I mean, I could probably see how with such a small amount of time to uh-huh. write, shoot, and edit yeah. and submit mm-hmm. an entire film, it might be kind of easy for people to think, well, we could probably just shoehorn in some basic ideas mm-hmm. and some, you know, standard camera angles and stuff sure. like that. But, but yeah, it sounds like people weren't 
really doing that. And yeah. uh, I mean, did you find as far as like even the music and, and the, the camera work and stuff like that, that it was pretty dynamic this year? with that I think it was. And I was amazed at how many people did original music because that is a question that gets asked when everyone's all done, how many people have original music. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I would say most of our teams had original music, which is awesome. And that's something you can definitely do beforehand. But there were people who were like, I mean, on the spot, it was being written. And as it was being filmed, the musicians are off making a soundtrack to a to a five minute short i mean how cool is that yeah that must be very very difficult yeah in in a two-day span i've never like personally done it but (laughs) but we have worked with uh um a composer who who did you know original music for for our short so yeah yeah that's crazy i mean do you think that that's one of the biggest elements of these short films that kind of might push them over the top because we've talked about music and mm-hmm. cinematography before on the show and mm-hmm. how important they are. Yeah. So, in your opinion, when when because you're doing some of the judging as well, or I monitor the. Ju- <laughs> I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I always have my opinion about things. I mean, in the end, the judges are the ones who decide. But yeah, I mean, I definitely get to be in there during the process. Gotcha. So yeah, I mean, what kind of what do you look for, I guess, when in your head you're thinking, oh, this might be first place or second mm, place mm-hmm. or third place? Yeah. So if the story makes sense, mm. for sure. I mean, have you ever watched anything and then at the end you go, what happened? Mm. And it can look cool, too. And you still go, what happened? I don't understand. So I think I noticed with the judges this year, they, they chose things that they understood from beginning to end. And that can be very difficult um, during a 48 time. And we've seen it before. You, you know, you can get into the story and you don't know how to get out in five minutes. It can be right. really challenging. Um, but um, I didn't see that much at all this year. But I would say that the films that took top, yeah, they had a complete story in, you know, I would say like six minutes time. Um, and then the cinematography was a huge factor this year. The, um, the first two films, I know for sure, um, it was really neck and neck because the cinematography was just out of this world. There is a drone shot in the movie. Housekeeper is the name of the film that took first from Bat Boys. Um, there's a drone shot that um, it does... It, I felt like that day, like they shot, I think, on Saturday of the weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the day being as beautiful <laughs> as they were able to capture. It was incredible. Um, and so that shot really kind of put it over for the judges. Um, and we're seeing a lot a lot of drones being used mm-hmm. now, even during the 48. Um, but I would say that um, even the music... Yes, especially with horror, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that can really put you in in the scene that you're in. So I, it was, it's highly important. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so coming up with something original, and even if you don't, I think music choice is super important to really put you, you know, in that mood of how you want your audience to feel. Right, yeah. So I guess did you see a lot more serious tones to these horror films because we actually participated in uh, a different horror festival last year the horror film roulette Mm -hmm. and uh, we we saw that a lot of films were kind of leaning more toward the comedy side of things 
and um, all of the elements present in those films definitely kind of contributed mm -hmm. to that, um, which is obviously great. Mm -hmm. But you know, horror as a genre itself is really kind of all about building tension and yes. everything. So, did you think that that was very successful with this year's entries, or? I would say we had half and half. Okay. Um, we had a lot of funny films, um, but the but the top three were were didn't have humor really mm -hmm. in them. Um, and so I mean, with Bat Boys film Housekeeper, I believe it was a supernatural film. Um, the uh, bequeath that took second was a, like a cursed object um, and isolation. And then the third one was like a slasher film. So okay. all they all went serious and mm -hmm. it worked. Now we had some really funny films too. Um, in fact, we had an award this year for, um, we made it best splat stick as okay. opposed to slapstick. Um, and we had a film called Roar the Grease Paint. Um, that took it, and it was it was very funny. In fact, I found it to be very clever. They kind of uh, they they their genre was clown, okay. and so everyone assumes that they you know clowns are creepy and scary. That it would be the clowns that were the you know the menacing mm. uh, thing of the story, but they actually flipped it around. There was someone else going around and, yeah. and killing clowns, so which added kind of a funny element to it. And mm -hmm. uh, the deaths were very creative. They also took uh, Best Death Scene, the award okay, <laughs> for best, nice. best Death Scene. They had several really great death scenes. Um, so, but yeah, um, I noticed that too a lot with 48. So a lot of people um, put humor in mm -hmm. all their films, no matter what genre they get. They like to add a little bit of humor to them. So. Between the, the comedic horror and I guess the more serious horror, mm -hmm. you know, um, why, why do you think that the more serious horror is kind of a viewed I guess in a, in a better light critically mm -hmm. versus the comedic horror films I think people want to go to get scared uh, and there's nothing funny about that right. <laughs> um, I mean I guess you can find it but I think people like the tension right mm -hmm. you want to go you want to be at the edge of your seat you don't necessarily want that tension broken by a, a joke or or a funny moment mm -hmm. um and some of the some of the classic horror films do have those moments, right. but you know they know what they're doing. It does take you out of that, whatever that is. So I think if you want scary horror, then you want that intensity. You right. want the seriousness of it. Do you think there's almost too much humor in horror? At least, I guess either in the in the short film competition circuit, the Forty Eight, mm -hmm. and also in Hollywood and mm -hmm. in the independent scene? It can be. I recently saw, um, was it Happy Death Day? Mm -hmm. Yep, I watched that. And though, I mean, I enjoyed that, but it definitely had like a funny element to right. it all. It was still a good film, but I wasn't necessarily on the edge of my seat when I watched that. Mm -hmm. So um, I think, I don't think they get overboard with it, um, with the comedy, mm -hmm. but I, I think for me, I prefer to not have it. But that's just my that's my opinion. Yeah, just because yeah. of the, the mood it sets and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, well, you're talking about the clown thing. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of wanted to lead into uh, discussing kind of these more socially conscious mm -hmm. horror films because mm -hmm. we are seeing that a lot now with yeah. with the, the bigger companies. Yes. In Hollywood and even in the independent scene, I feel like it's it's pretty saturated with 
these socially conscious horror films. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that it's, I guess, developed in that way in, in recent years? Mm-hmm. I guess I feel they wanted to try just something a little bit different. I mm-hmm. mean, it's a lot of them are very, I mean, it's very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it reaches out to maybe an audience that isn't necessarily like, okay, like a classic horror fan. It brings in a, a whole other, you know, group of people into horror. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that would be my, and it's working, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, people are going to see, um, going to see these films. Is that like a trend that you're, well, is that a trend that you expect to keep going as the years go on and what would you suggest to somebody who's thinking about doing the 48 or, or the horror edition to kind of focus on those kind of elements I would love to see that in a 48 um, so actually when we um, my before I became producer last year we had gone down to Cleveland to create a film um, one of my team members had said that's what she went into this going this is what I want to do it's very tricky to do in five minutes, but mm-hmm. I'm, it can be done. We ended up not doing it. <laughs> yeah. But that was like her thing. She was like, I want to be doing something like that. Um, so I I am all for it. I would love to see that in a short. I think that'd be great fun. Is that almost more important uh, than just delivering scares or, or delivering a, a suspenseful, creepy atmosphere to you? I think it adds a uniqueness to your story um, going down that road um, but I don't necessarily think it's necessarily as important um, I think in the end as long as you have a, a great story and if you deliver some scares fantastic you know yeah yeah because I mean we've been seeing movies like you know Get Out yeah and everything and uh, even I, I we just recently covered on the show Cam mm-hmm. that premiered on Netflix yep. um, very you know very clear and, and heavy themes in both of those films yep. and it seems like that's kind of the direction that horror is going in and yeah honestly I mean w- when I've watched short films pretty recently in the horror genre mm-hmm. it seems like it's mostly this kind of like isolated event sort of and we're not really exploring the messages so much mm-hmm. and I almost feel like if there was more of that then it might help people kind of get exposed more yeah um, do you feel kind of the same way? I do, I do. I think people are probably afraid to even try it and try to do it in such a short amount of time. But I believe it can totally be done. Um, and I would. I think that'd be great to see more of that in shorts. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it, it does seem like that's kind of going to be the trend. Because when you look back at even even like Mama. Yep. Or, uh, or like the Drew Daywalt short films and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, there really isn't that heavy of a message I mean in fact in a lot of those short films there's not even really that much dialogue yes exactly now in in Hollywood and in the bigger independent scene Mm -hmm. we are seeing a lot of that so yeah I guess I'm I'm curious to see what is going to happen in the 48 and other competitions moving moving forward so I mean do you think that that's going to become like a really huge thing yeah I do I I do I can see people going you know right along with that trend Mm -hmm. I mean why not? It's it's very successful right now in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So I think I could easily see other filmmakers, you know, doing shorts, yeah. going for it. What other advice would you maybe give to 
not only newcomers, but mm-hmm. also to returning teams mm-hmm. who are uh, planning on doing the 48? Um, pre-production is huge. There really are quite a few things you can do beforehand. And if you have a well-executed plan, it makes your weekend go so much smoother. Mm-hmm. If you jump into it that Friday night, not having a place to film, not knowing what you're doing or even discussing any of it, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it can make for a long weekend. And it's hard because you have to give your editor as much time as possible and factor in that drive time. To, <laughs> to get to drop off. Mm-hmm. Um, so do as much as you possibly can beforehand. Um, and there's nothing wrong with getting a writing team together and discussing. I mean, we put the genres out there on the website mm-hmm. so you can see in advance what your choices could be. Go through the list. Throw out some thoughts. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, you know, that way you're not so hung up because no matter what happens... Even if you're you're thinking of ideas, the minute you get your elements and your subgenre, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's go time. It yeah. is, and so you just and you end up coming up with something, you know, maybe even something different than you would have beforehand. But I think it's good to have a team that's cohesive that works together really well. I've heard horror stories of mm-hmm. people who um, don't get along. That's going to make things really tough so I know like for the Bat Boys these guys work together outside mm-hmm. of, of doing 48s and so I've noticed with filmmakers and being a filmmaker when you have a group of people that you work with regularly sometimes you don't even have to speak right mm-hmm. you just look at them or you say something and they go I got yeah. it I understand exactly what you're saying and then they just do it mm-hmm. so when you have that that makes the world a difference. Having said that, though, I don't want to discourage people who are new to filmmaking or um, may not know everyone super close that um, that they're working on their teams. I say go for it anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. have fun with it, really, because that's what this is about. Have a good time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I was going to say, I, you know, I, I know that the, the industry itself is becoming a lot more technologically advanced, mm-hmm. obviously, even in... The, the short film world you know yeah. we're seeing lots and lots of short films even in the competitions that are tremendously produced you know not even just on the money aspect but just with experience and everything oh, yeah. and I'm sure it might be pretty intimidating for uh, for, for new filmmakers sure. entering these competitions but I mean I think it's it's a phenomenal experience mm-hmm. and I mean what, what do you think is the thing that people can get the most out of when doing a competition like the 48? I do believe you can learn a lot by doing things in a 48. Um, Because I've had so many people go back and they're like, okay, well, if I just would have done this differently. I mean, you can look back and see where, you know, maybe you had made some mistakes. But Mm -hmm. I think actually being put under that kind of pressure... Um, it's amazing what comes like out of you (laughs) when you are on, you know, a time crunch. So, um, I, I feel like it's, it's an excellent learning experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, cause really, I mean, if you're working in the industry, you're going to be, I mean, obviously you're going to have more than two days, Mm -hmm. but you're always going to be under deadlines, right? I mean, so if it's a school project to, to a, you know, multi-million dollar, um, budget film, you're always going to be under kind of that pressure. So I feel like this is just nothing but like training. If you can make it through 48 hours, mm-hmm. you know, you can do anything. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that the horror 48 in particular is maybe a little more 
uh, I guess, conducive to like new filmmakers? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, especially if you love if you love the genre. I mean, absolutely, um, go for it. I mean, there's just so much room for creativity there. Yeah, but do you find that there are a lot of people who maybe aren't huge fans of the horror genre that do it as well? No, I, okay. I actually don't. I think everyone who does it wants to be there. They they're doing because they love it because I did you know there were other um, there were teams from the summertime that I spoke with and said hey you know you're gonna come back and do this they're like nope I don't do horror like yeah. <laughs> no even actors I talked I was like hey we got to get you involved in this nope I don't I don't I don't want to be scared so uh, I mean it's definitely you know you're gonna I'm gonna always have the people who come out for the horror there's people who won't even doing won't even do it during the summer but they'll come out and they'll make because they just love horror films right um and then you're going to have the opposite of that you know there might be people who just never touch it but um but i love it and i i hope to keep building it up i'm hoping to see more teams come out for it next year um because it's it's just a ton of fun. Yeah. Do you find that the horror fans are more? Well, I don't want to say like crazy about it. Oh. But you know. <laughs> Maybe just, more fanatical. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah, we definitely have our teams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, you have your teams that are there because they just enjoy the challenge. They want to challenge themselves. Um. But I think the people who come out to do the horror, they just they love it. They yeah. do because they love it. Great. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much yeah. for sitting down with me. Is there anything you want to say before we uh, before we wrap it up here? Well, I hope to see I hope to see everyone come out and maybe even if you aren't one to participate, you know, come out next year. Just come see the films. We're going to be at the uh, the Main Art Theater in Royal Oak. Um, so we'll have our regular competition in July of 2019, and then um, and then would love to have a, a horror in October. So mm. we'll we'll always have our films uh, more than likely at the main art. So awesome. So is this the uh, appearance of the 40 uh, the horror 48 hour kind of reliant on how many people come out for the summer one? It does. It does. Okay. Um, I'm confident. I'm confident that we're going to have um, have our have our teams come out for the summertime so awesome yeah well uh where can people learn more information about the 48 so you can actually go online at 48 hour film um backslash detroit.com um and we have all the information on there um, we have a facebook page um which is detroit 48 hour film project um and i always try to make sure to put all kinds of content on there as well and then you can follow us on instagram we always put our pictures up of the you know whatever mm. we're doing you know be it a kickoff or um or even behind the scenes uh, pictures so yeah check us out on instagram as well awesome and is there a particular place where the the horror people can go to view that one um right now we actually don't have anything online as far well actually that's a lie you can actually go on the website <laughs> i was like we don't have anything on youtube or anything just yet but we do have the we will have a few of our films on the on the website as well so they can actually visit the website and be directed to the horror specific films on there okay fantastic well yeah. um that's all the questions i have okay so again thank you so much for sitting down oh my and gosh talking thank you this is awesome and, and the 48 yeah. with us so yeah i think we're gonna sign off this is barnabas and i have been here with jennifer gettner of the 48 hour horror film project in detroit thank you thank you 
All right, and we're back to grave discussions. I uh, hope you all <laughs> <laughs> enjoyed that uh, interview. I thought it was a really cool experience getting to talk to her about the competition and everything and about horror. Uh, she had some great insights and seemed like she was really passionate about the genre. So it was, uh, it was very cool. That's good. Yes. So right now we're going to get into our last part of the episode, our review of The Possession of Hannah Grace. So, all right. I want to I wanna get your honest opinion here first, Samuel. I probably would be inclined to discuss this movie more in depth if when we went to the fucking theater, there wasn't some asshole and his girlfriend and then her friend oh, that were talking. My like, bro, they were talking like, like, you know, playground during elementary school days. That was their voice level. Like, yeah. The whole movie. The only, time it, shut up. the only time it stopped is when the dude went to go take a piss or get some nachos yeah. or whatever that fat fuck did. It was so annoying because he was gone like half the movie. And then his like girlfriend or whoever it was <laughs> left a couple times too. Like, what are you doing? Bro, I fucking hate people like that. Oh, it was, yeah, we got really heated like about you, it. You, you wanted to pay $11 each to just sit and have a discussion about a movie yeah. as it's happening. And ruin everybody else's night because you won't every, shut the fuck every, up. Everyone kept looking at them. But everyone's like, you know what? Fuck those people. I'm yeah. Not even gonna <laughs> no one, no one wanted to, to stoop down to their level, which I get, but at the same time, like, uh, next next time I just have to say something because that shit is annoying. <laughs> I wanted to shank him, bro. The I, fuck yeah, bro? I was, I, I like, I'm not a violent person, but you know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that was awful. We just wanted to say that because it's, at, it's my been... opinions, at least, are a little bit influenced by that entire event. Yeah. So, just but, wanted but to say still, that. Still though. Uh, let's, let's talk about the movie. Yeah. Let's talk about the yeah. let's talk about the actual movie, not the experience. Yeah, we could talk about that all, all day. I mean, we were hungry too. We didn't have nachos or popcorn. Yeah, no, that, I was hangry. I didn't have a drink. We're just nope. like fuck it, bro. But uh, yeah. So the movie starts off, and like, there's this chick. Oh, spoiler alert, fuckers. So this the movie starts off. She's getting possessed. Her dad's just like, no, you know, may Jesus, whatever. And then <laughs> you know, then the priest comes in. He's like, may Jesus whatever and then like two of the priests die mm-hmm. like she like explodes them with her like telekinesis or whatever the fuck she did demon powers and then uh you know her dad smothers her with a pillow spoiler alert mm-hmm. so now her dead body's at this morgue and there's this chick like she she works at the morgue she used to be a cop and then she's like all fucking freaked out because mm-hmm. like weird shit keeps happening to her throughout the night there's this like security guard with a little jufro and he keeps scaring the shit out of people you know, and then there's the other security guard. You know, he's he's a douchebag, but, you know, when she needed files, he gave her files and shit. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I like that this movie was, like, isolated, mm-hmm. and I like that it happened just, like, overnight. You know? Yeah. I don't like the movies that are like, here's him tying his shoes. Whoa, what was that? <laughs> Something moved. Five weeks later. Oh, a door closed. Then, yeah. like, 20 minutes later, you're on to the next scene. He was like, no, nah, this, this is all right now. This is not haunt- a haunting movie where it mm-hmm. progresses. It was just like... I mean, sometimes it works, you know, in like The Conjuring, stuff like that. But yeah, I generally like these kind of movies because then you're more invested in what's happening, Dude, kind as, of. As soon as I heard Night Shift, I was like, yes, I am bought into this yeah, movie. Like, exactly. Glad I came. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely a positive of the film for me as well. Uh, a lot of the rest of it, not so much, honestly. But I want to hear the rest of like your opinions on it. What else did you like about it? Okay, uh... There wasn't much to the score. I mm-hmm. like the cinematography. It was they they did a good job of building up suspense. I'll give it to that. I'll give that to them. Holy shit! I was about to have a <laughs> fucking aneurysm, but wow. But yeah, uh, I I like the cinematography. It was like mm-hmm. 
it wasn't like too overdone like didn't have those like up above shots where the cars are riding down a dirt road you know you're yeah. just like wow look at the view the view is so beautiful look at that cinematography it was just like <laughs> it was just like your basic shit but like yeah. it, it, it was funny when you'd see like the fucking Hannah the possessed Hannah and by the way when she's possessed she has blue fucking eyes what the fuck was that yeah that's kind of weird what is that fucking yeah I don't I don't know Hitler's wet dream demon like that's that's what that looks <laughs> probably. like probably blue eyes blonde hair there you go yeah it's the Aryan race <laughs> that was that's a metaphor that's the real message of the film right there the real message is <laughs> like you know like it's something angry and in yeah. German probably but I don't know I liked it I liked the uh, I liked the uh, what's her name uh, was it Megan right yeah I like Megan she was cool uh her boyfriend was like borderline fucking useless until the end of the movie. Yeah. Like, he just comes in like, "Did you steal my drugs? Are are you okay? It's your fault I left." Like you're just like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah. So they they kind of he's just used to kind of develop her character. Like she she used to be mm -hmm. a cop. This is her relationship, and you're like, "Oh, I see. Thank you very much." Like yeah, she is the main character, so they really focus on her, which makes sense. Yeah, and she has, like, but. PTSD after watching, like, her partner get killed, and mm -hmm. she froze up. And, uh, basically, bad shit starts happening, and then, uh, someone tries to sneak into the fucking morgue, right? I'm not gonna say who it was. Someone tries to sneak into the fucking morgue, and then, uh, we find out who it is. You know, he kills people, he gets caught, and then he kills people again, and then mm -hmm. we find out that the body's been moving around by itself, and then people start dying again, and then... yeah. I mean, it was pretty, like... I felt like it was a little bit longer than it needed to be. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. I think they almost put too many characters into this, honestly. Yeah. I think it could have been, like, one security guard and then just <laughs> weird stuff started happening. Yeah, I don't just, even know about all those other people. They brought in all these people just to die. Yeah. I so mean, I guess it was more realistic. Basically, like, guys, everyone but Megan, like, if, you, if you're rooting for them, you're not going to have a good time. Like, Yeah. So my kind of like gripes with all the characters and stuff like that was just that they, yeah, they really felt useless. Like they felt like they were just thrown in there for deaths. Like a lot of people are compare, comparing this movie to the autopsy of Jane Doe, which it's not actually, similar, yeah, but I will say, I was just going to say the idea though in the autopsy of Jane Doe. Yeah. It's kind of similar, but there's only like those two guys. Yeah. And then like the body, right? Like that's it. So in a situation like that, in an environment like that, maybe, I don't know if it's quite as realistic, but I don't know. It just felt like way tenser to me. Like it didn't feel like there were just random characters there just for on-screen deaths yeah. and jump scares. And that one had like more mystery to it. Like yeah. it just kept unfolding as it progressed. Like this one was just like, oh no, this thing's getting up and doing shit. Like we just had, you just haven't seen it. But, uh. I, at first I was like okay with it because like I was irritated so I'm like let me just watch the movie and, and like forcefully enjoy it to block these assholes out and it made me ignore how bad the CGI was yeah I, I didn't like the CGI at all and uh, I felt like it was definitely a little much they needed yeah. like even like her movements were CGI. That's sometimes. what I was gonna say. Like, don't like when the corpse is like moving and doing shit. Mm -hmm. Don't expose it so so much. Use some lighting, like make it darker in there, and like just have someone like you just see the shadow even up close, like just the fucking little yeah. shadow. Put put makeup on the bitch, you know, make mm -hmm. her like white as hell. Oh look, it's the possessed chick, and then yeah, that's it. This is this is just a bad trend. Like, 
I don't mind if you're showing her that much, but make it creepier, you know? Like, it was kind of creepy sometimes, I think, just because well, of the it, angles, but... Then it looked like a video but, game character. Yeah, exactly. Fucking... I was like, is this some kind of, like, Resident Evil type shit where they're actually, like, putting the video game characters in there or something, you know? And then at the and end, the resolution to this movie was, get the strap, like... <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, and yeah, there were some uh, very questionable writing decisions for me. I didn't really care for any of the characters. I wish that... There were fewer of them, or they just weren't in the movie so long. I don't know. Like their their purpose was just like completely irrelevant to me. Yeah, you know, yeah. like you could have made it just about Megan and then her like frame of mind and her ex- experiencing this haunting and everything. And I think that that probably would have been way creepier. Maybe too similar to the autopsy of Jane Doe. It but. had like. <laughs> I, I could do with more atmospheric setting. It was pretty yeah. good, but, like, shit kept happening, like, too much, I think, for me. Like, mm, yeah. Like, so you feel like this could break, have almost been a slower movie? Yeah, like, and, like, with less, like you said, less characters, a little slower, and not as long, I think. It could have been done a lot better. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I, I wish that they just, I mean, there were a couple scenes in there where the CGI usage was, like, obvious because they had to, but... <laughs> There were so many scenes where, like, if they just used a normal person that could, like, you know, contort their body and stuff and, like, spider walk or whatever like they wanted to do. that one dude from Insidious. That exactly. plays the lipstick demon. Yeah. Or Mama, right? Yeah, Javier Botet. Yeah, him. He does everything. Oh, yeah. They're, I mean, they do all that stuff. Like, you could have found a person to do that, but you just decided to go the cheap route, and that made me not like your movie as much. Yeah. For me, anyway. And then I just thought that the script, like, wasn't that good. I thought it was lazy yeah exactly like there was a lot going on that's what made it lazy like hey let's just throw everything fucking so it was like now here's this next scene all right this is happening now hey who's that guy trying to break in bitch let me in (laughs) and then like all of a sudden like the body's moving around and then the guy's in and then now he's getting arrested now he's back now the body's moving it's ripping someone up inside the yeah there's a lot of like it's like damn bro what the fuck yeah there's just a lot of scenes that i feel like you had like no time to go get go get like popcorn if you wanted you'd miss Mm -hmm. something like yeah yeah, something would happen, which, I mean, it's not, like, that bad all the time, but eventually it just doesn't, it's not scary. Yeah. Like, the first or second time, honestly, it was, like, a jump scare, kind of, but I mean, it didn't make still. me, usually, like, if a movie's good, like, like, the way the music is and, like, the setting mm-hmm. and the way they use the camera and, like, the angles, like, and, like, how they build suspense, like, I'll get tensed up and I'll be, like, n- mm-hmm. nervous and shit. But, like, for this movie, I was just like, all right, all right, let's see the jump scares. Yeah. Let's see what happens. This is great. Like, I was just kind of chuckling throughout the whole movie. Like, wow, this is great. Like, because it was, like, it wasn't, like, bad, bad. It was good, bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say this. So, Shay Mitchell, who plays Megan Reed, I thought she had an okay performance. I didn't really care for anybody else's performance in this. So, that was, like... The one positive, kind of, but also a big negative for me. That's because you care You care about these people just as much as you would care about, like, a stranger mm-hmm. you see at the liquor store. Because, yeah. like, that's how well you know both of them. Like, Right. And, like, you know, you don't dwell into their home life and shit mm-hmm. like that. So, like, we didn't give a fuck about any of these people. Oh, he's an ambulance driver. He's trying to provide for his family. He's yeah. sober. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, exactly. That's, everyone should be doing that if they have a family. Yeah, I didn't need all those, like, sappy emotional discussions, really. Like, I didn't feel like it was about that. Because, actually, this kind of leads into what I wanted to say. I saw a Redditor post this, that this movie didn't really have that many religious themes for being a demonic possession movie, which I thought was actually kind of interesting. The only, like, real reference to it 
is like the lights. I don't know if you noticed, but the lights in the morgue are like cross-shaped. Upside down cross. I saw it in yeah. the security footage. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. But that's about the only real like reference to religion apart from the 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 kind of shitty demonic possession scene at the beginning of the film. Yeah. That's about it. So there's not really any other like religious themes or angles in this movie. So I mean, it's kind of hard to distinguish what is the message almost, but that's just the message is clearly if your daughter's possessed, don't smother her with a pillow, Mm -hmm. throw her out and let, (laughs) you know, the more, you know, the morgue check her out. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess he probably didn't know. Anyway, yeah, there were definitely some positives and negatives. I mean, a positive I will give it is this. If you're looking for like a Saturday night movie to just kind of chill out with this is it yeah this is probably it because it's not quite as shitty as like those really really bad like paranormal movies like fucking let me think of one yeah i mean they're out there poltergeist remake yeah that one (laughs) there you go you know stuff like that like it's not as bad as those but it's not like great you know it was was was, just okay it wasn't a shit storm and it wasn't great at all yeah (laughs) I know a lot of people it think ki- it was a shitstorm, right, but... It was kind of good, so it was mostly bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of the, like, demon shots or whatever, like, some of those scenes, they were okay. But as a whole, I thought the movie was pretty bad. So, that's that's me. If I had to give it a rating out of five, I think I actually gave it... Uh, two and a half that's what i was thinking because uh, 50 yeah. for me that's the rating <laughs> yeah. it's basically i i don't know what kind of movies you like go see it you might like it you might not it's one of those movies yeah exactly uh yeah again my my big thing with it a little too much cgi kind of just typical you know like not super creative I just the only thing I really yeah. liked that that was night shift morgue. <laughs> yeah. Person getting up and walking and they're dead. I'm like, cool. The whole the whole vibe I will say is pretty cool. You know. Yeah. It, it is a good setting and the whole one night thing. That's all cool. I think the execution was kind of off. Yeah. And they could have made some better decisions like maybe casting a contortionist or something, you know, to to do the girl people that can More actually often. do that are fucking weird. Yeah. yeah like, actually weird. Like, not video game character I weird. mean, it wasn't Linda Blair, but, you know, that that crab walk in The Exorcist, like, that was yeah. a real person, you know? Yeah. That did that. And that was, like, that's one of the scariest scenes of all time. So, I, yeah, I think they could have uh, they could have at least tried to do that. But overall, not a, a bad movie, but just kind of average. Yeah, I would say it's below average but it's not bad you know yeah. what i mean like yeah it, it definitely has some redeeming qualities i think like i said just something you can kind of turn on and be brainless about i think there are definitely a lot of cliches in this and just a lot of like unwanted conversations and little side things going on yeah that's on. when you can go like take a shit or do whatever you gotta do <laughs> yeah exactly because i mean they just kind of complain the whole time yeah so that's that's I don't know that's basically how I feel about it. I mean, do you have anything else that you want to say about it? No, I mean, if I were you guys, I'd wait till it comes out on Netflix or on like, honestly, it's gonna come out on like Tubi TV. Yeah. Let's be real, or on like, yeah. like the free shit you get on Comcast. Like, no, I think it'll probably come out on Netflix at some point or Amazon Prime. But honestly, like, just wait, wait until you don't have to pay for it. Yeah, because apparently this is the kind of movie that a bunch of like fucktards go to 
just to like ruin everybody's day and talk the whole time. And it's like, bro, there was like maybe 14 people in the theater and those three wouldn't shut the fuck up and we're yeah. all sitting close to each other. So mm-hmm. it's like, I get it. If something happens, you'd be like, woo, be like, but if you're like, if the whole time you're just like, oh my God, look, the, the, look, oh my God, look, bye, bye, bye. Like literally that's the dialogue that was going on. Like, yeah. I don't understand the anything theater, that they were saying. Like, so, and if you're a person that does that, I hope that there's a special place for you. You know where. Up your ass. Oh. I, you know. why, why don't you go sit on a knife? That's a good suggestion. Like yeah. a vertical knife. Like, hold, like grab, like grab like the top of your door, bend your knees right, and then put the knife below your asshole vertically, and then just like let your hands go and just sit down while you're sitting at a 90 degree angle onto the yeah. knife all the way up your ass. So that's our uh, opinion of the possession of Hannah Grace. Not my favorite this year at all, um, but some of you might have really liked it. So let us know what you guys think about it. And uh, you can do that by visiting our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Grave Discussions. And on Twitter, we're at GraveDiscSRD. And we also have a website. All right. Well, we're going to go watch Mandy. Am I going to like it? I don't know. Find out next week on Grave Discussions. This has been an SRD production.